Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my shy cameraman who's always watching you and co-host, Alex Dandino. Vile. Go to Nerd Alchemist on YouTube and see how gross that was to watch. Uh, as always, guys, if you like the show, please leave us a rating and review, especially if you find us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a ton, guys. We appreciate it. You can find us on all your social medias. Uh, wherever you're at, we're there, and we'd love to talk to you and uh, have you tell us what kind of movies you want to talk about, man. That helps us give you the show uh, that we want to give to you or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Also, you can see our faces and some other uh, new content we're working on. Uh, on our YouTube channel, that's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. All right, new theme time. Uh, this month, we are doing a double theme, right? We're going to be trapped inside more. We're going to have more movie watching. So we're going to do two themes in one month, right? Yes. And the first theme we're covering is uh, the pod is a madman, right? So this is these are movies that insert the audience into the POV of a murderer, killer, whatever. I think they're all killers, actually, that we chose. I think so, yes. <laughs> uh, And so today, I thought we'd start with one of my, my absolute favorite movies. Um, but a movie that all too often just feels like it's left out of best thriller, best horror, uh, you know, elevated horror list. Never mention this. I always find that kind of shocking. <laughs> but, uh, of course, yeah. we're going to be talking today about Michael Powell's uh, Peeping Tom. Now, Alex, had you seen Peeping Tom before this viewing? That's a negative, man. I actually really got deep into foreign films when in college, and this was always one that just sort of skipped over. Like, I don't know why. I think it's the weirdest thing, and we were talking a little before we started rolling, and I wonder if this just gets lumped in as, like, Hitchcock adjacent, or people are like, oh, it's a Hitchcock movie not made by Hitchcock, and I think that's really such a shame. It is, mainly because it just doesn't, like, I got to tell you the truth. Like, there's nothing about it that feels Hitchcockian to me. Like, besides it, like, Alfred Hitchcock movies are so specific to Alfred Hitchcock. This movie actually yeah. reminded me much more of, a, like, a Nicholas Rogue movie, who's another British yeah. filmmaker. Like, this movie reminded me a lot of, like, the way I felt when I watched Performance. Mm. Like, that, I think, is the thing I I did not gravitate towards the Hitchcock stuff first. Like, my first instinct was like, oh, this is, like, British this is British filmmaking because it reminded me of that. It reminded me a lot of like blow up, even yeah. though that's Antonioni. Like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other filmmaking style in this that is not like I feel like that gets like glossed over as a Hitchcock thing because yeah. of the subject matter, I guess. But overall, it's not it doesn't feel that way at all. I mean, it's it's kind of horror. It's kind of a madman with a secret. Right. This sure. film radiates tension. Right. So I think yeah. all of those are elements that people related to Hitchcock. He is the master of, you know, the thriller essentially. Sure. But and we all, you know, we all love that about him. But what I right. think is I think this movie is so interesting on several other levels, right? I don't I don't see this as a Hitchcock knockoff, which I read a lot when I was kind of researching for this. No. You see a lot of people like, "Oh, just watch Hitchcock and stay." You're like, I feel like you're missing a, a true yeah. gem here, guys. Really missing the um, point. And also, yeah, like there's almost this weird I wouldn't say it's like German expressionism, right? But there no, is I can this, see that. That the the dark room of mind stuff, right? It adds such an extra layer of artistic fun to this movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I wish I wish it uh, the best in coming back and you know becoming one of these staples. I really honestly think if you pressed me hard, I don't know how this isn't in the top twenty greatest horror movies of all time. Yeah. I personally consider it a horror film. I don't know. Do you consider it a horror film? I would consider it a thriller. Like, I mean, it's like one of the original slasher movies. Like, I mean, it's yeah. one of the, it's credited as one of like the progenitors. I, again, like there's so much about this movie that feels so much closer to like Nicholas rogue and Nicholas rogue movies. Like I thought like, I like when I saw this, I thought performance and then don't look now was the other movie. I was like, this yeah. is, feels very don't look now ish. Like not saying like, uh, the, content itself but the style with which the movie is made feels yeah. very similar to that like particularly the way it's shot is very specific so. yeah well i mean this is what i latched on to right in my kind of case for it being a horror film other than the fact that it is fucking horrifying right sure you know like i guess i think it's one of what i think is so fascinating right is i, I do think this is one of my all-time favorite movie openings yeah. right yeah it's pretty and what great, they man. do in the opening is so fascinating to me, right? And it becomes this microcosm look at us as a horror movie audience to me. So what by the setup of the movie, right? And I hope you guys have watched this. If you have, it's free on Tubi right now. The Roku channel has it. There's someone, I think Fandom is another app that think, might have it. I think Tubi has it. Yeah, there's a lot of places where you can find it for free to watch, and you guys absolutely should. Hopefully you have if you're here with us. Spoilers for the, like, you know, 60-year-old movie we're about to discuss. (laughs) But uh, so the setup of him walking down the street, right? So essentially we start with a camera lens, right? Walking in on this young lady. The streets almost look fake and painted to me, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of where it's had, like, the stage play look, right? Walks up to the lady, uh, goes up. And then we see this whole interaction play out, right? Mm-hmm. And then as we're watching him film this lady, you know, film a vulgar reaction to him, whatnot. Uh, this is the purest form of being in the POV of a madman. And it's it's weird because he's done nothing in this sequence. But the moment you start this movie, you already feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You're like, well, this is wrong. Right. <laughs> right? Like, something's not okay. And this is the kind of clever trick is... As we're watching what feels like it's about to be a murder, we then cut away to a man in a dark room watching the film mm-hmm. of the incident we just saw, right? Right. So we are being forced into the POV of a madman and then yanked way back into this kind of God shot, right? Where now we're behind the madman watching what we were watching and judging the shit out of ourselves. Right. Right? Well, I and think I that's... think that is such a good look at us as horror movie fans because as we watch this movie and we've become repulsed by our peeping Tom, right? Mm-hmm. And how despicable of a guy he is and the the horrible things he does. That's also exactly why we watch these movies. Yeah. Is because we want to see these horrific. I actually, Stuart Gordon passed away this week and I was really Good. sad about that. Right. And I can't remember who came out and said it, but when they had their master of horrors um, dinner, right? When they mm-hmm. did that TV show and they all took their shot, uh, they had the the dinner and he was, you know, everyone's favorite guy to talk to. And they said he explained his theory of horror movies, right, which they are dress rehearsals for our own deaths. And that's how he approached them. And that was his thought process making horror films. Right. And I thought that was really lovely. And I think this movie gets to the core of that really well, because as an audience, we're so desperate to see these women get killed. 
But we liked being like we like seeing from behind the yeah. Michael Myers I, and I behind the, the peeping Tom. Yeah, when I, we're them. There is this extra layer of oh, this feels creepy. This feels vulgar now because it's me. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that the the abrasiveness of the movie lives in that lives in the crosshairs of Carl's 16 millimeter camera. Oh my, I forgot the crosshairs. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's what gives it that predatory vibe right away. Right. Well, like, cause that's like, there's only two things in the world that have those. And I can tell you right now, one is a uh, handheld 16 millimeter film, which I know from, from a firsthand experience. The other one is a gun. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. like immediately, okay. If you've never held a camera before, you understand what those crosshairs are. Like you're centering your target. So no matter what, immediately you're put in the space of a predator like it doesn't matter yeah. it doesn't matter well, where also you're there's from. that great moment where we start really close on the eyeball right mm-hmm. and then we cut to the real close-up of the lenses as it's like going in the flasher right. jacket yeah and you're like oh no <laughs> like, you know it's just it, it, it's weird too because the camera where the camera would be placed feels like he's putting it down by his heart almost like you're seeing like his inner soul's desire sure to pray this woman there's also the weird beat in the apartment where we start hearing like the like the the revving of the projection machine yeah right like in high school i used to work in a movie theater and when you ran projection those machines were a lot granted ours are huge right they were like three giant dishes right but this is a small one at home but it's loud right and so that sound interfering on the real life footage right real life before we cut back to the dark room it's just constant. That whole scene is brilliant. It's what the whole movie does, which is it's constantly shattering the reality we think we're in. Right. Right. And I think what this movie is really about most of the time is the way pe- the face that we present to the world. Right. There's a lot of looking close at faces and how people think they are being portrayed and taken in by others. And this opening scene does that really well, where it's like, oh, we think we're about to see a murder. What's that sound? Oh, we cut to the dark room. We think we're there. Oh, now we cut back into the film. Oh, now he's orgasmically falling in his chair watching this death. Right. And we are him. So it's this weird. It's pulling us way out to say, look at the filthy fucking beast you are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, as the director, Powell is doing to us what his father did to him. Right. I mean, like you filthy beast, you want to be on this journey with me. Well, I think that's what's important about (laughs) So what's important because like it's what's important about the storytelling within the movie. Like this opening, the opening is so important to caring about the movie itself, because Mm -hmm. what it does is give you your perspective, which is like, you know, that's the God eye. That's what we always are watching movies as is we're we're omniscient characters. Like we're literally sitting there watching this movie going like. Well, that's not me, but I can sit here and watch this. But like putting us in the driver's seat like that mm-hmm. and in Mark's frame of mind, but then constantly going back and forth is asking you as the viewer, like, are you going to judge this character for murdering someone? Which you totally should, by the way. Like, you absolutely <laughs> should be doing that. Yeah. But that's like the, <laughs> the weird film thing. The film like, are clearly on the side of don't be murder rapist. Right. That's where we come down on that debate. <laughs> that's like the crazy thing, though, is – you shouldn't be asked that question. Like when you think about it, like think about right. if someone asked you that question outright, it's like, do you agree with that murder? Like, of course you don't. It's a murder. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah. But like, it's but sort we of this it. weird passive question that they know you're yeah. going to answer in the affirmative of no or the negative of no. Yeah. But like, they're still presenting. It's like the matrix. Like when the architect describes mm-hmm. how the matrix works, works is like a choice. It's the same thing here. It's a choice. Like, 
whether you believe it or not, it's a choice you're making. That's like a really important thing. Like as human by beings, by not turning to be able to off the movie, choices. yeah, by not turning off the movie, we want to be Mark and we want to sit in that chair right. and we no want matter to how see passive his film, right? No matter how yeah. passive the choice might be, yeah. And it remind it's like, <laughs> I guess, like to ponder, right? Let's say you're having your alone time, right? You're just sitting there, disgusting, unshowered. You're like, well, I'm gonna crack one off before bed, and then all of a sudden, a, you know, a godlike portal appeared next to your face and it was just like showing you the footage of what you were doing you'd be like oh yeah gross. Exactly. you're like i can get this i can get this nut right here by myself in the dark before i go to bed but if you sh- if i had to look at myself doing it Ugh. i don't think i could anymore right and that's no. what this movie is <laughs> it is a constant you know you want to be that filthy little beast but then god judging it you are the worst creation. That's why you're Absolutely. down there. One hundred percent. And by just staying in the film, you are saying, and that's why th- that is my case in a nutshell as to why I think this is a horror film. And I think that opening scene is an extra fun kind of yeah ad- admission I mean, from all of us. Like, I know what you're fucking here for. Yeah. I mean, I'd say horror thriller. Like, there's a lot of really good cat and mouse going on in this movie. So, yeah. yeah. But again, I think because Mark's point of view is the most specific in the movie and like we're not really following anyone else. Like what we're not doing is like cutting back and forth between the cops and him a lot. Like we're focused mainly with Mark. So if we're just experiencing Mark's story itself, yeah, that would absolutely make it a horror movie. Yeah, which is funny. I mean, because that's the thing. There are essentially two characters and it's Mark and out in the streets, Mark. You know what I mean? Like. Those are the two mindsets that we really get into. By the way, the rest, it's Mark. Everyone else is just there. By the way, it's Mark. Uh, Mark who like works on a film set and like does like on the like on the sly porn stuff. If yeah. Mark was the guy on the film set, if he acted like that, he would be fired immediately. I know plenty of people who would hire that guy and been like, he's a fucking creep. Get him offset. Absolutely. Oh, right see, I think the opposite. The guy that never talks is so welcome on a set. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. You, you have too have... many guys that are like trying to hand you their script and their reels and shit. You'd be like. No, 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 that's fine. I just like creepy Mark over there. Here's, here's the problem is because he's a quiet guy in the camera department. I know a lot of camera department guys. If you're quiet <laughs> and you're a creep, they fucking fire you immediately. There's no way. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I like to think there's a world where the Marks can flourish myself. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> Mark's making salad fingers nowadays anyways and not killing. He's you know, cool. You know where the Mark, internet would be great for Mark in this movie. You know where Mark, you know where Mark flourishes? Art department. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> gross. We were all Marks, yeah. <laughs> no, all of us uh, were Marks. I don't – I think him working on the film set, I actually thought that was a fascinating choice, right? It's pretty interesting. And because what I love, too, is – and they don't really l- play it for how specific – how directly a shot it would be for him, right? Imagine being mm-hmm. him, and he's obsessed with making this film, right? He's had the film in his hand forever. He's making his movie, as he always says. Right. But there's a lot of great moments where you just see him watching a director mm-hmm. trying to get someone to have a genuine moment. Right. Right? And, and the actress is usually portrayed as not getting there, and then the director becomes a horrible rage monster. Right. And I was sitting there in that moment and I was like, imagine how torturous that must be for him. Well, I don't know, man. Like, this is like the part about this is the really fun thing about not fun. Sorry. Uh, But interesting about like serial killer stories that I think Mm -hmm. is most fascinating is 
um, in other movies, for instance, like uh, other stories, like I think about like American Psycho and even like the show Dexter um, to a lesser extent. But like mm-hmm. when you think about people admiring other people's work, because like Mark essentially achieves what all great directors want to achieve, which is genuine human emotion. So when he sees someone like that struggling and screaming like that, I don't think he's like inside, you know, crippled, like sad or anything like that. I actually think to me when Mike, for instance, the scene with Vivian, like when he like decided to make his film with Vivian, mm-hmm. like to me, what it is is him almost just like quietly laughing to himself at these people who can't find the way to make these people have genuine, genuine emotions. Like it's almost yeah. like this self, like this self assuredness, like, I know I can do this. Like, granted, it's psychotic and weird, but at the same time, yeah, there is like a level of narcissism, I think, that goes with it a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah perhaps. There, the other weird read of it to me, I guess, is maybe that's where he learns how to try to be a human. Right? Like, maybe oh, yeah. he sees the director directing these bad actors and he's like, oh, I can use that. You right. know what I Because there's so many <laughs> moments of Mark and this is where the performance is really stunning to me is not when he's in his full on like sweaty madman mode, but the moments where you see him, like when he comes in and the party's happening and they catch him on the stairs, you see him so desperately just trying right Mm -hmm. to be a normal person and his heart desperately wants to make a connection to pull him away from this horse show that his life has been. Right. While also his mind is dragging his heart back. There's a lot going on with Mark in these quiet moments. And the performance is so perfect. Every time we have to stop and just ponder, how does Mark continue to try to be a normal guy? And this is the thing of all the kind of killers and whatever we'll talk about. Mark is uh, well off. Mark is good looking. Mark mm-hmm. has gainful employment. So Mark actually becomes one of the scarier monsters, right? Right. Because you're like, look at how high-functioning this person could be. They seemingly have a life that would be great. And there's still something going on, right? Like, I think, like, I I just went to Florida for work, right? And we stopped at a gas station in this small town in Alabama, Georgia. One of those two states. Interchangeable states. Yeah. And we stopped at a gas station that had, like, crickets for sale out front. Like, one of those towns, right? dueling firework pharmacies across the street. It's actually kind of a fascinating little town. But this guy pulls up in this fucking giant truck with a Jason Voorhees mask dangling from the windshield, gets out and just immediately looks at me and my friend like, you guys are going to get murdered by me. And I was like, yeah, that that was a truly terrifying, like, fuck, I never want to be in the South again, right? But those are not the guys. Right. Right? Marks are the guys. And Mm -hmm. that is... I think the performance is really special in that way is how much because this is the other thing about Mark's performance is I don't I, I called him a sweaty madman earlier, but I would never classify him as like a fully stark raving lunatic madman. No, there, I mean, there I, is a there is a vulnerable hurt child aspect right. to Mark that almost makes him more sympathetic. I don't want to say sympathetic, right? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like him and Norman Bates both have this like, oh, your parents fucked you up. Right. I mean, to me, he gets more out of it in this movie than Norman Bates does. Yeah. I mean, I think that Carl's psychopathy comes more from the damage inflicted as opposed to like if you compare him to Norman Bates, Norman Bates seems to almost celebrate it 
in a way, not consciously, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. He seems a little more, Mark seems a little more tortured by it. I don't know. If that's the right way to put it. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, are. and we'll do, we'll get to Psycho. We're going to cover Psycho, so we won't break that down now. But right, but like that Mark movie, is there is, I am Norman as I think he should be, and then also I am Mother, right? So right. he completely splits in two. Right. Whereas well, Mark is always Mark. He's just trying to be the daytime TV actor version of what he thinks he should be. Right. I guess by that rationale, you'd probably compare him more to like a Dexter type thing. Like someone who is putting on a show for the rest of the world, maybe? Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of interesting killers we'll get to, and they all kind of have this. But I think Mark has an extra vulnerability. Because even at the end, right? And I think it's fascinating how with the neighbor, he's always like, his desperation to not film her. Yeah. Right? Feels so different than most of these movies because it almost has this like Beauty and the Beast moment where he's, I can't be around you and I don't want to hurt you. Whereas a lot of these movies are, you find the target or the woman who is the infatuation point. Right. And then they become prey. Right. And Mark never does that with her. Right. So we have a character who seemingly draws out the desire for him to be done with this life. Right. Right. Granted, in a very different way than just like, hey, clean up your act and stop murdering. But, you know, I think that that what we know what his father did to him, and I would argue that maybe all of these people probably had something like that in their past, right? Yeah. But Mark actually gains some sympathy from me in this movie, which is insane because I think he's also one of the more truly terrifying ones. The scene... And this is the other thing in the movie, too, is the scenes are really long. Yeah. The scene when he's on yeah. stage, like they sneak after work, him and the actress, that scene felt yeah, so Vivian. long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it goes, and I think it's it, it goes on, man. I mean, that's like probably yeah. the most fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Like, that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is just because it's so long. Yeah. And because it like it goes on, I mean you're you're just like how long does it take for this guy to kill someone? Jesus Christ! Like but it's that's literally exactly like exactly the point though. It's this right? arduous process. Exactly, I think that yeah. is the point of the whole thing. Is that he every time she tap dances, every time he goes to twist a light, you're just like, are you gonna do it or what? <laughs> like, and again, what that's doing is that's Michael Powell shaming us. Right? We are the dog who shit on the carpet. And he's rubbing our nose in it. He's like. You're just here to see that lady get mangled. You oh, are. Yeah. <laughs> we are. And that's what it is. At the end of the movie, the reflective dish, that's our fucking distorted, grotesque faces, right? Right. That's us whacking it in the middle of the night. He's like, look at it. Look at yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but the more the more that you get bloodthirsty in that scene, you fully understand what Mark is going through. Right. I think it's really cool because especially modern movies – just don't sit in scenes like that anymore. No, I mean, I feel like the last time, I mean, you know, I mean, I think the last time we watched a really, I mean, I mean, the house that Jack built doesn't even do that. Like, isn't, doesn't really sit through stuff like this. They, they have some, yeah, that one, <laughs> that one is insane. And yeah, they, they'll spend a lot of time hanging on stuff, but, but this one is not this, as sadistic. But this one, right? I feel like the arduous labor that Mark goes through to get to, the pinnacle moment, like where he's scaring the shit out of her, like the scene where he's like finally at the like you can it's it's honestly I mean it's funny you bring it up like cracking one off 
it's honestly like masturbation. Like he's like yeah. literally building up to the point, and then finally he's like, "What if I did this?" And yeah. He's like actually scaring the shit out of her. Like that's the kind of stuff you're like, "Oh man!" Like this is legitimately ter- like that's where I would say it's like honestly legitimately terrifying. It's pretty yeah, cr- and, it's and you pretty see great. a woman who's not a great actress truly moved to terror by something we can't see. Right. Again, saying that it's us that she's afraid of, right? Those mm-hmm. of us that propagate this industry of murder and whatever. Totally. And I I just thought that was so brilliant, man. The way they the way they really stretch it out and really make you you know, it, it's like we're the pigs and shit and I like, get out there and enjoy it. You know you, your slop's coming. And right. it and it's because that's the thing. I think there would be a movement if we if this movie were remade today to Get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. Show me more of, you know, the dissecting and torture, right? I need the woman running and screaming more. And this movie really never does that, right? It's more of, instead of, you know, this kind of visceral, like, chasing women down and catching it, this just really, it almost, like, the kill moments almost just play as photographs, right? It's it's this really slow walk and build, and then we really don't see a lot of it. And that's yeah. the other thing that is amazing about that scene is how how much you feel that oh, you feel it without ever seeing it. And yeah, that I mean, is a testament to how uh, amazing the the pacing is of that scene. Yeah. I mean, all all these scenes are so they're just so well like what being well paced out particularly for this kind of movie for it to be what we would equate to a slasher film now. Yeah. It, it's just it 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 draws it out so effortlessly yet the the tension is it's so taut like it's yeah so and intense. that's but that's what I mean right a scene like that where she's literally just tap dancing yeah and he's walking around adjusting lights that becomes terrifying totally because you never every time he walks in her direction you don't know if it's about to happen mm-hmm. that is what's crazy another scene like that is when he finally, and I still don't know why he does this, right? That's something we could discuss now is why does he show that footage of himself as a child to the girl downstairs? I don't know. And I was trying to figure out why as well. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem, I mean, I guess, I mean, thematically, I guess you could say this because I, I, I can't tell. It, he seemed to be really struck when she mentioned that uh, her uh, mother was blind. Like, that was, like, something that he noted? Yeah, to me, it was, like, I think it might just be as simple as, and I think maybe this is part of why I felt a little bit of warmth towards Mark at all. Yeah. Is I, I honestly think he he thought this would be his, his way to self-destruct, right? Like, there's a part of, because he even has that moment where he, she's like, I want to see your film. And he grabs right. his murder reels, and then he uh, and he puts them back, right? So there is a moment where he's contemplating showing her the murder reels, right. knowing, as we know later, he really does not want to harm her. So what's right. the play if he shows her his most recent murder and then doesn't want to kill her, right? So it feels maybe he just finds this little little bit of warmth, right? And it, again, this is a, a boy who was tortured on film. Uh, that house was filled with the sounds of people being tortured by their father, right? Right. Um, maybe it was just something as simple as there's one little bit of warmth, and he's like, this person can be the angel that saves me. 
by helping destroy me. Sure. I mean, I guess you, yeah, I mean, like, story-wise, I guess you could say that's that's a very popular one in a lot of, like, slasher movies or, like, horror films of this ilk where it's, like, someone meets the one person that they're, like, willing to tolerate almost. Yeah. Because, like, she doesn't, I mean, she, like, at the end, he almost gets her, but he's, like... See, scared. I don't think he ever would have gone for her. No, I don't know I why. Think so either. I think he did it because he was he he could feel them closing in on him. Because that's think why it was he... the fucking birthday cake, man. Oh, you think because she just like I showed think a kindness? What it was? Yeah, he's just like I just really like cake, dude. <laughs> no, but I think what happens is he saw her and they had this kind of genuine moment, right? And right. her friends are like, "Hey, come back in with us, normals, man. Fuck that guy." Right. This and movie... he goes upstairs and starts about his life, man. Right. His creep life. And she comes back up and she's like, hey, I knew you wouldn't come down. Uh, so I just I thought I'd bring you a cake. And, yeah, I would like a drink and to chat for a minute. And I think that going out of her way. Right. Because I think it's funny. The only other woman relationship we really see Mark with is that uh, the shit talking photo model. Yeah. Right. And she's kind of the exact opposite where. She doesn't want to see Mark. She's just dressing Mark down. Right. Like you fucking suck. Blah, blah, blah. Just like giving Mark the business, right? Right. And here's a woman who, on her own accord, comes to him and is essentially saying, I do want to see you. And that must be. And that's the other thing, too. I wonder if it's without the camera, right? Because Mark's whole childhood, he was seen, but through a camera, right? Right. Which made everything feel very unreal. Maybe this bond breaks through that kind of icy icy setup that he's always known so maybe that's what it is maybe without it's the his camera. first true moment right right and they're really interacting without the camera because even the guy at his his employer who's like yeah, i want to see the tits you know that's what sells right uh you know that's a business thing he's got his camera there the girls in the room those are the cameras right you know almost every place we see mark there's a camera and then there's little tiny moments with her where it's just the two of them Hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's just enough. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense, right? I mean, the camera is this, the camera is that totem of the real world fading away, you know? Like, as soon as the, as soon as he's like holding that, I mean, I feel like anytime he is with that camera, like, that is like, that's the part where he, he can hide, he can hide the per, the part that he's putting out to the world behind that. Like, his right. true self melts, right. melts into this camera and so that's that. the weird thing, right? A lot of these serial killers, and he's not really technically, I mean, I guess the start of a serial killer, if he, you know, had more time and planned more. Right. But there's a weirdness in Mark, too, because he's always wanting to watch it on film afterwards. He doesn't feel like he enjoys it as much in the moment. He, We see him orgasmically melt into the chair later when he's watching his handiwork. Right. That feels different than how we see, because a lot of these guys talk about the physical manual labor of it and how that's the thing that like gets him going right right so i think there's this this separation of mark and what he does and that maybe because she catches him without that camera right the camera might be the literal you know black hat the you know shatner mask the hockey mask that makes him feel like he's that kind of a character right and she catches him without that right there's even that great moment where later in the film she's like hey let's just go for a walk and she's like just leave your camera you know you don't need the camera. We're just going to go on a walk. Right. And, you know, I think that's what his bond is with her in a weird way. 
And I don't yeah. know why then he's like, I want to inject this footage, right, <laughs> of my dad torturing me and uh, making me hold my dead mom's hand. Like, yeah, Mark's dad, real piece of shit, real piece of yeah. shit. Mark's dad's not great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, that is probably that's that level of vulnerability i guess you're willing to show someone maybe like that's without the camera that's who mark without the camera as the facade maybe that's who mark actually becomes is someone who's quite vulnerable in fact like his true self becomes that yeah and that's maybe what it is too is she sees what mark could have been right because also that's another important element i feel like we don't ever see mark actually really commit the murder until he kills himself right yeah so there is this separation that you know, the camera allows him to still be somewhat human to us. Right. But, yeah, I, I was weird because it felt like one of those, like, we need to get this exposition in. And they just found the most interesting way to do it. I just don't know why it was her. Like, why in that moment does he feel he needs to show it to her? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you kind of hit cool the nail scene. on the head right there. It's sort yeah. of, you know, it's just because and maybe that's, that's it, it too, because maybe he is somewhat testing her. Like when they start that walk. Right. Remember, he just sees that couple making out. and He's like. Oh, oh no fuck that like he didn't have his camera to protect him from this weird psychosexual issue he has right and that sent him scurrying back to the dark room so maybe yeah maybe maybe that was it maybe the the lack of camera hmm. i'm trying to think what were the scariest mark moments to you i mean to me the scariest thing by far is it's weird the, the ending where he does it to himself is the scariest thing i saw in the entire movie like, yeah, him breaking down at the end was nuts. I mean, like, there's a couple really like, good. You know, the one that struck me the most, though, was when Mark. So I, I want to ask you about this. Why does Mark leave that body on set? I don't know. I feel like it maybe is like. I mean, let's see the first time. I mean, do we know what he ends up doing? They, what did he what did he do with the prostitute? Did he just leave her? Uh, the prostitute, yeah, she was left in the apartment, and then they showed her dragging. She was dragged out and put on a a gurney. Right. Yeah, they so, pulled her out of that same building. Well, maybe that's what it is. I mean, I don't think he. I mean, I don't think he thinks past the murder. Like, I think that's the important thing about Mark's character is that. But him having planted the other camera to get the reaction of when they opened the trunk. Right. I think this was like. I don't know. It got well, to be on this two okay. levels, well, right? Because there's two possible though. theories I have, right? Well, go, One go. is just that he's desperately trying to end it, right? Right. He can't stop himself from the pursuit, but he could get caught, right? He could fuck up. The other, though, and this this gets back to like him hating his day job. He got that actress to have a genuine human emotion on film. Could be. <laughs> and it. the other director never got it. Well, I mean, think of it this way, though, like, a, you could do. I would say there's a two two other options. One is refining a refining of methods, like changing your methodology as a serial killer. Like you're growing as a yeah, you're growing as an artist, so to speak. You know, sure. The other one, and I would say it's along with uh, what you were just saying, is maybe that is like the mockery of the whole thing. Is when someone opens it, and when the camera goes off, that that may, maybe that's like the ha-ha moment of like see i can get this to work too like i am an artist because i can make like that would make more sense to me like the again that goes in line with like the narcissism that i think comes with 
the killings themselves. Mm-hmm. So I I would actually go with that. I'd say that it's yeah. it's a level of narcissism of like see what I can do. Watch. Yeah, because it's weird, right? Because it's different footage. This wouldn't be like his. I'm gonna you know stand up in front of the projector and nut footage. Yeah, because this is different. This isn't. Because what he also does too is he wants people to see. And I, I think the script's a little off in that regard. They're like, what they see right before they die is what causes them the true emotion, right? Right. That seemingly is what he gets off on. And right. to finish that, you know, the real fear of knowing that their death is coming, the death has to come, right? right. He would say. Because he could just stop there, right? But then he wouldn't be able to keep doing it. Right. <laughs> right? Well, but I don't know that it's fear, right? Because this one, he doesn't have that reflective thing. Instead of seeing herself in a moment of true fear, she's seeing someone else, right? Her possible stand-in or extra being killed. Right. So it's it, the footage being slightly different, I don't know. It almost felt like a cry for help to me. Yeah, so I, I think know, you'd say, man. oh, this is a sadist. He's so sadistic. He just wants to play with his toys. But, like, I don't think he goes home and gets off on that girl's reaction because it's not the method. He doesn't have the dish. Right. That's no. what he likes is them seeing themselves in true fear and agony. Well, they don't see themselves. He sees them. No, no, Because no. remember at the end when we finally see what uh, they see, right, that he puts on oh, the end of his camera. Right. The thing, yeah, it's okay. that reflective dish. Right. Right. And I also thought that was a cool thing, too, because it's not a true mirror. Right. Like he could have just had a mirror on the end of his camera and been like, look at how scared you are. Watch yourself die. Right. It's not a mirror, though. It's this distorted piece of metal. Right. And I think that, again, is wildly important to get back to. You know, there's so many good shots of where Mark like is silhouetted or hiding behind the reels, Mm -hmm. what he's willing to show people. Right. Right. In that moment, too, of like, hey, the last thing every one of these people saw before they died was a, you know, almost a funhouse mirror like vulgar stretched out gross version of their own face right maybe that's what they were really afraid of right is that because he, he's essentially harming their own images of themselves anyways right so right. maybe that's part of it i mean know, it could be that too i mean they, for the i think that there's world. like three or four different psychological analysis of the mirror of oh like, for sure of in general like the killings of the methodology itself mm-hmm. i mean i think that if you go by the way of like serial killers i think there's a level of narcissism i think there's also a level of uh there's a i think there's also a level of you know reflecting of course i i really think that mark mark's end and again like this is like a thing in movies that i kind of hate that i've absolutely loved in this movie is um the people who like in older movies a lot of the time people narrated their um like their emotions out loud oh yes and I yes. absolutely fucking despise that methodology. I think it's really annoying and <laughs> aggravating. It's actually something that people uh, – it's the thing that modern film critics knock psycho for is because at the very end of the movie, uh, people explain what happened to Norman Bates. Whereas like because now we are so 
ingrained an understanding of psychological behaviors and that kind of thing. Like we already know, but back then in the sixties, no one knew really what psychopathy and some of those other things that caused Norman Bates to become Norman Bates sure. uh, were. It's hard for us to remember a time before just knowing right, what exactly. serial killers It was were. a time before the internet, before the encyclopedia, before we had movies like this, where we were like, yeah. Oh wow, that's fucking nuts. Like imagine sure, sure. a time before a movie like silence of the lambs and that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So, to me, but this this is the point though. But, I think you're on to something, right, with the narcissism. Because what it is too is it's Mark saying, "Here's your reflection," but it's not the reflection as you see it every day. It's this gross, stretched out version. That's how I see you, right? Right? Because there is a narcissism, and I don't think you're worth not killing, right? You are beneath me, and so not only is he telling them that, but then he's destroying their own image, right? And it's well, again Mark saying, "I see you for what you are." He somewhat is judging these these people, obviously. Sure. I mean, and so that's... to have him do that to himself at the end, it's an interesting addition, right? Just the the non mirror mirror. Well, because it tells you that he he is an expert in knowing that we are all monsters inside and try to put on a good face. And then cause I'm trying to think who he kills. He kills a prostitute, a model, and an actress, right? Yeah. All people that are putting on false fronts, right? Well, what so I was, he sees them as like him. Well, what I was getting to originally was that what I like about that scene in general is that the Carl, finale where all the different stills go off. Not even that. Like Carl's actual like, uh, sorry, not Carl. Carl's the actor. Um, Mark's right. actual like killing himself moment where he sort mm-hmm. of narrates his own death, much like he narrates the rest of these people of these women's death throughout the film. He's narrating mm-hmm. it to himself. Which normally I would I would think is just a stupid way to do it, but like a you realize it's the '60s, but also um, it falls in line with the same methodology he's been going through. So he's doing it to himself, and like you're right, there is this like self reflective manner he does it in, and maybe that's like the crazy thing when you think about it is it's this weird funhouse mirror for everyone else. Maybe by that rationale, you see this. Maybe psychologically, Mark sees himself as that person all the time. So when he sees himself yeah. reflected in the mirror, that's absolutely who he is regardless. So and that is the weird part, right? Because he's, he's getting his last documentary shot with the cops and all this. Right. Right. So there is a very, none of this is real aspect of how he's thinking. Right. But this is what struck me. So all those women see themselves, right? The distorted version of themselves. Someone has judged me as not human and they're going to murder me. Right. Right. When Mark sees that reflection, he pauses before he runs himself through. Right. And he looks at it. And if I'm not mistaken, that's a smile on his face. So uh, Mark's not seeing abject horror. And to be honest, Mark probably isn't really feeling the same horror that these women were. Right. Right. So what does that even say about his grand experiment? Right. His is chasing the perfection of the shot and the emotion at once. Mark seemingly is happy in that moment and relieved when he stabs himself. Well, I think Mark's less relieved. I think Mark's more relieved that he finished his movie. That's like, to me is like the most important thing for him is finishing this. Right. But, but at the end of his movie, it's not the exploration of fear anymore. Or do you think Mark Mark is the the culmination of the exploration? But that's what I mean. Do you think what it is, is at the end of the, his final shot is, the total loss of fear, right? The relief. Well, 
I mean, it's strange I, to I don't me that he smiles. Him. He I don't does necessarily not, remember he him He doesn't smiling. truly die in the way these women do. He does not die afraid and yelling at his own reflection. No, but he still fears, like, he still fears death. Like, they, everybody, like, everyone fears death in this movie. He still fears See, it, but it's the fleeting, that. it's fleeting fear. I don't know if I necessarily saw him smile. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, because I, th- I kept going. I don't think, it's not like a, you know, Joker smile. But it do, he is not recoiling in terror. I'm not I'm not saying I saw that either, but I also don't think he would be someone to recoil in I terror. I don't think he's afraid, man. This, I think he's ecstatic. Well, yeah, but I think personally. he's happy because he gets to end his movie the way he had planned on ending it. Like, the cops are there. They know it's Mark. Yeah. He's getting yeah. cornered. So the way, the way he's ending the movie is really in a spectacular fashion as any great movie ends is like, oh, wow. Like, this is the that's the perfection. That's the ending they were that he was looking for in, in general. It's a so, weird ending to me, though, right? I, I, I was I was struck by the lack of fear, and that his was different, right? And what that meant to him. Because the other funny part is, I wondered why he added in the still cameras too. I thought that was really cool. Like he also wanted all these other angles, right? It's almost like the first. The first people that thought of bullet time photography, right? I'm like, is he making the Matrix over here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But I was like, I think that's fascinating, too, that he wanted all of these other moments. And I think the still cameras are, that's the moment of fear. Sure. is in one of those cameras well, because he's worried that he's not going to be a good actor when he gets in front of his own reflector and he's not. Well, so that's why he set up the still cameras. No, see, I think that's a little too. I know. I, I think the reason he sets up the still cameras is because it's the horror. Like he's finally seen the horror on his own face. So he gets to see true fear himself. Has he though? Like not reflected in other people, but reflected in himself. So like for me, I think the reason the still cameras are set up is because it's the uh, it's the it's the postscript almost like what it is, is he gets to see this finally. And then these photos that go off, all of these people are going to see their own hor- horrified faces as well. It's it's like a great it's a great send off for a movie, so to speak. Like he is seeing the like while he might not see the end result, everyone else will. It's really all of us walking out of the theater talking about the movie at the end. That's what that is. I, wa- I wonder about that part because I think he knows he's not because there's the, my other favorite scene in the movie was when he sees the girl who has the. um the disfiguration on her lip, right? Right. And there's this classic, you know, kind of almost like a Hitchcock blonde, actually, mm-hmm. laying on the bed like, oh, Mark, Mark, just talking shit. And he, she looks over and she's like, don't photograph my face, you know, chain smoking. Right. And all of a sudden you see Mark grab like his little video camera. Right. And he's like, I have to. I want to. And he, and that's his thing, right, is it's all in the eyes, right? That's where he knows. And so I think... I love that moment from Mark too because it's that's, that's a really sly moment, right? Because one, it plays very disturbing. You're like, oh fuck, he's that's Predator Mark coming out, right? Just like in the middle of the day at his job. But there's also kind of a sweetness to it, right? Is that this is a model who's obviously very self conscious of her face, mm-hmm. and he looks right past that and still thinks she is this amazing object he wants to capture. And you're like, oh look at Mark. Oh wait, he's the murderer. Stop, stop, stop <laughs> thinking Mark's okay. Right. And so that comment he made, though, about it's always in the eyes, I think he said, or it's in the eyes. I wondered if that's what he was doing, because as he's running to his spike in mirror, 
he would be afraid he's not going to be able to finish the movie. Once he gets to the spike and looks at himself, he knows there's not fear anymore because he's going to get it done. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I mean, I, I think, think that I, that's I what I love, too, is this movie I, I don't has disagree an amazing book. I don't between disagree that there's a versions. form of elation for finishing your project. Look, we all have been there. I think that right. there is. Uh, but was that the ending he wanted without? Is that the whole movie is look at the fear of being alive and then here I am. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the without ending, fear it's because the ending I'm he relieved. wanted. So that's why he, yeah. if there's any form of elation on his face, it's because he gets the ending he wanted for this film. Yeah. It was fascinating. I thought that was a really cool. I just I love all the stuff that kind of happens in the theater of the mind in this movie. Mm-hmm. The, the dark room actually. You know, it's kind of one of those like things. It's so on the nose symbolism, but it just works perfectly in this movie. Right. Because once they get in, the angles start to get more wonky and there's real sweaty close ups. Yeah. I love the interplay with people standing and being projected on themselves. Right. We're yeah. the palette as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene when the blind mother is up there. First off, I was like, damn, you just barged into this motherfucker's place and said, don't kick us out because I like the rent. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the other thing. I There is a moment where she's like, I'm pretty sure you're going to kill my daughter, but the rent is dope. <laughs> so, like, we're going to stay. <laughs> like, she clearly knew something bad was going to happen, right? Right, Because right. she even says, she's like, you know, instinct. Instinct's a beautiful thing, man. And, like, I can't trust you to be around her in that room. I know you got your camera and shit. But I like paying little rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> she definitely cashed in. And then when her daughter didn't die, she's like, see, good thing we didn't move. Rent control. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that scene was really cool because that has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is she's like, you know, show me your pictures, even though she can't see. Right. And she's like, what am I seeing? And he tells her and, you know, she's like, you know, why? Why not lie to me? Why? How can I trust that you're not lying to me? But you know that he doesn't want to. Right. I thought that was pretty cool because she's the only character in the movie who can't see the lie he's projecting interesting sure the mark face right is the the lie he presents to the world the clean cut nice right. guy walking about town with the job well it's interesting she, though like yeah wouldn't your other it's interesting though that none of the woman like because to me like i when i was watching i was like the blind woman's gonna know because she just yeah. because all her other although all of her other sentence sense uh yeah. senses are heightened like she's gonna know she's gonna hear it in his voice she's gonna feel it like it's a it's a sixth sense type thing and the fact yeah. that it didn't happen, I'm like, hey, kind of glad that didn't happen because that's kind of corny. She, but you, I was, you think she didn't know by the end? I mean, I think she, she knew, knew by something the end, but was off. I also think that it was just it was one of those things. Where it was like, is she gonna dime him out? Like that was like my thought. It was like she's gonna be the one to be like, I know he's bad, but no. Well, she's she's like, I like that when she's you know the blind always live in their upstairs neighbor's apartment, yes. right? Because they're noisy. I'm like, fuck, been there, dude. When I was living in L.A., been there. But also, she, you know, I just like the idea that she's like, hey, man, I hear you jerking off all the time. <laughs> like, I know you're not on the straight and narrow. Don't lie. Right. I can smell it in this room. Like, this is a jerk room. How dare you? Don't lie to me. This place smells of sweat and shame. I know you've been here. I know, <laughs> I know you. I know those smells anywhere. But yeah, I, I thought that was that was a fun moment because that's one of those moments where you really see Mark panicking. Right. Because for the first time, he doesn't know. And that is that's a beautiful inversion as well, right? Because here's a man who's obsessed with presenting true images, right? And in that moment, the power to present an image, right? His biggest weapon in life is gone, is taken from him, right? That was pretty cool, man. I thought that was rad. 
But that lady definitely wanted the rent more than her daughter's life. <laughs> She's lucky she got both. Truth. But yeah, I don't know. What are, What are your final thoughts on Peeping Tom? If you had to, what you know, like if you were pitching this to someone who skipped it for a long time, what would you pitch this movie as? Oh man, I'd tell. I mean, if I was gonna pitch this to somebody, to I just say, if you want to see like. If you want to see one of the first slasher movies and a really well executed one that doesn't just like lay it on thick from the jump, mm-hmm. this is like this. This is a prime time sixties uh, thriller horror film. Like you got to check it out. Like this is like one of those great. This is one of those great movies that like your friend who appreciates movies. Like I I know exactly who I'd pitch it to now, um, but like it's one of your like friends who likes horror movies who has never like gone past like 1975 if you ju- if you jump them all the way back like this is going to be one of their favorites easily <laughs> horror movie started with george romero we all know that <laughs> yeah we all know that guy no i would just say that's how i would pitch it right is that i think this is the movie for everyone right because totally. Just on the surface, right? It's a very interesting examination of this guy who's just finally opening Pandora's box to his inner desires and is deteriorating, right? And right. watching him go on this despicable mission totally. is wildly fascinating, right? Like, that's why we like these stories about bad people. Because, again, I'm always fascinated by movies where it's like, we're all, we're all, we are all only this far away from the edge, right? You know what right. I mean? Like, they're just thin layers of bullshit keep us from just being these monsters. And I think that is fun to watch on its own, but there's so much beautiful art happening in this film at the same time, right? These long scenes that draw out the tension where we are pulled into the seat where Mark sits watching his crimes on that projector with him mm-hmm. and, and being sucked into that chair in a way that very few of these Mad Men movies do. So many of them, right? Like, we're going to cover Henry and The Vanishing and, you know, all these other great Mad Men movies where we're, we see their point of view a lot. Right. Right? But very rarely do I feel like we're all the way in their head and heart like we are with Mark. Right. And that's what this movie does so well is that it it forces us to be the inhuman monster so much more than a lot of these movies. And yeah, I just I think it's very thrilling. I think it's absolutely terrifying at times. Um, and it's just it's a masterfully made film. It's great. And again, I think everyone who watches it probably will enjoy it, man. And I just I don't know why it never. I feel like I never hear people talking about Peeping Tom, man. But you I, know, hopefully there's a shitload of them. Maybe I we do just think, don't know those people. I, you know, British horror films, uh, I think are all awesome. Like the ones that I have seen are always great. It's uh-huh. weird that this is not more of an important thing. Like, and I'm not talking just hammer horror either. Like movies like this by like Michael Powell, Nicholas Rogue, uh, anything involving like anything involving British people getting followed always seems to be good. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but there's a whole world of them out there past Wicker Man. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, there's exactly. A lot of good ones, dude. Yeah, I I don't know. I think this movie is absolutely stunning. I think it's the perfect start for the Pod Becomes a Madman month. So that's it. Uh, for Peeping Tom, guys, what do you think about our debate about what he sees in the reflection right before he dies? Uh, tell Alex that I'm correct, per use. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so that's it. This is Tuesday, right? We're giving you Peeping Tom. We're going to be doing every Tuesday and every Thursday for this entire month. 
Uh, so yeah, that's the pod becomes a madman. Next up, we're gonna do uh the classic movie M. Yep. Uh, Peter Laurie's finest. I adore that movie too. Uh, so M is the next movie we'll be covering. That'll be out Thursday. Our next theme that we're doing uh for the end of the month is the pod is held captive. Uh, so lots of fun ones there, man. Um, hopefully there. Yeah, I'm working on some double features at the moment. Uh, I will announce those as soon as I have them. So yeah, you can expect a lot of content coming from us. Uh, while you're there enjoying all the content, please leave us a rating and review. Please find us and reach out on all your social medias. And find our, and uh, follow our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Uh, so yeah, guys, we'll be back Thursday with M for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino. <laughs>